A quick Yay. hello and you get to go. Welcome to the show, Callum Cali Scott. <laughs> so unique intro, right? <laughs> I yeah, like it. <laughs> I, I love singing that song. Um, and it's delightfully short, so it doesn't get anyone on anyone's nerves. So it's lovely to have you here. We're going to be talking about traffic drops, and I think that's something huge for everybody. And we were just discussing about when this started to become a huge problem for the traditional SEO, which was 2016 to 2018. And we'll get into that in a moment. But first of all, unfortunately, Callum Scott with two L's is confused with Callum Scott with one L, who is an incredibly famous singer of some sort. Um, and here we have the generative AI result from Google. You don't get a look in, and it basically thinks that I'm not very good at spelling names. <laughs> Uh, and if anybody's interested in this kind of stuff, join the CaliCube Knowledge Panel and Brand Support Group on Facebook. We talk about this all day long. And then I looked at your company, Blue Orchid Digital Limited, and there you are right at the top with a photo of one of your associates, I think, yeah? Yeah, one of the co-founders, Dylan, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And we've got all the rest of the results. So professionally, you're very good, but individually, Google still thinks you're a singer. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I can run with it in my personal life. It is better to be considered the singer. I've actually I've gone through the airport before with um, sound equipment, and the security staff have looked at the passport and been like, "Is that? Is that? No, that's nothing. That's not oh, him at all." Wow. Um, but it's been, you know, flattering. <laughs> yeah, how delightful. Uh, yeah, you just need to grow a beard and cut the hair on the sides above the ears, and you're away. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're not <laughs> going to do that, are you? No, not at all. I would rather word of mouth than a branded cert for myself personally, not for my clients, but for myself. Okay, right. We need to start working on that together. You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. So, understanding and recovering from Google traffic drops on branded search and beyond dun, 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 with Jason Barnard, which is the name of the podcast. I created a website for kids way back in 1998. So I started SEO in 1998. That's 25 years ago. I stopped the website in 2008 and my business partner took it over. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't change anything. And one of the pages ranked number one for kids games without any changes purely based on word counting, word weighting ratios, and inbound links from 2008 to 2017, and then it dropped off the radar completely from one day to the next. What's your reading of that? I'm pretty common, to be honest. Um, I think just as we were kind of chatting briefly before uh, jumping on, um, it's something we kind of saw a lot. So my background with doing traffic drop analysis was I was working with Marie Haynes, um, for many years until sort of middle of last year. And when I joined on with her, it was beginning of 2017. And she had already started to see a lot of sites reaching out who had started to see these drops starting in 2016, rolling into sort of 2017, around February, March is when we think we started to see the first real hits. And then obviously this kept going until August, 2018, medic update, everyone saw it happen. If you were in the YMYL space, right. you saw a traffic drop. And honestly, there's a lot of you know misinformation going around about what happened, what kind of started ramping up. My take on it, and I think what we can kind of justifiably say after 
you know, looking at 250 sites to help recover them after these things. Um, around 2016 is when Google really started ramping up using machine learning or mm. similar kind of algorithms to figure out the quality, context, authority of sites. Um, some people are going to call that EAT. Some people are going to call it site quality. Some people are going to call it whatever they want. But honestly, Google just got better at relying on those kind of signals than they did looking at, you know, basic page rank or word count and that kind of stuff. And this kind of slowly rolled out and hit a lot of sites sort of steadily over the course of many years. Mm. And Google has slowly been ramping up the use of those kind of signals until more recently when we're getting things like the helpful content update where they're explicitly saying, we are categorizing sites using AI to figure out the quality of your content. We can go back as far as algorithms like Panda and see that they were trying to do it then as well. Maybe not very successfully, as anyone mm. who got hit by the early pandas would probably argue. Um, hit and by an like early panda. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the lovely thing, hit by an early penguin, hit by an early panda. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's much more fun to say than you were hit by the March 12th core algorithm update. Very good point. Um, <laughs> but it is, you know, similar. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got involved in this to begin with, was analyzing sites after getting hit, like you did. Right. And building so, strategies to help recovery. Yeah, luckily for me, the site was nothing to do with me anymore. So it's my ex-business yeah. partner who had to deal with it. And I don't think he has, but that's his problem, not mine. Yeah. But now, 2018, that's five years ago. Yeah. And from my memory, what happened in 2017 was that Google had human engineers coding the algorithms, and they could do better than the machine learning team. And the machine learning yeah. team were fighting and desperately trying to get better than the human coders. And in 2017, that's when they took the upper hand. Yes. I'm not going to name names from the search team, but there are some documented conversations or hearsay about um, certain members of the search team that were in place from like 2014 till 2017 who were arguing we should be doing this manually stale. And then eventually, same as anything happens with machine learning, eventually the statistical results point towards we're getting better quality results using yeah. machine learning. And that's when the shift happened. And then again, people say, oh, well, these things still matter. Yeah, they do. There's still aspects of the algorithm that were hard coded. Um, it's just the percentage of machine learning that's being incorporated raises year on year, update on update. and that's why we see this kind of exponential shift towards sites getting rewarded that are high quality, that hit these general criteria. Right. But it is, it's getting more and more that it's down to individual queries, it's down to individual pages. Mm. It's not a broad scoring of your site hits an 80 on EAT. It is right. your site for this query is assessed to be X percentage likely to hit the user's needs and wants and is relevant. And that is very nuanced to try and understand for a site. And we don't right. get it right all the time, but we're trying to hit that mark. Which is a brilliant way of putting it. I was talking to Sarah Mokonsai earlier on about features in machine learning for EEAT, and we're trying to work out through all of that. And what is astonishing is, number one, the billions of parameters that these machines can take into account and that human beings couldn't even begin to possibly think about, and that every single query every single website, every single entity, publisher, author, content, and the query are all going to be judged differently depending on the exact situation. Yeah. And that is impossible for us as humans to understand. We want to say what are the factors, but it's actually what are the yeah. features 
for this specific entity in this specific combination of circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And on the, the other addition I'd add to that is the certainty Google actually has in, did we get this right? And that's something that we're talking about branded search or knowledge panels that I tend to point to as a very broad indication. But if Google is confident enough for a branded search to throw hmm. up a knowledge panel, I see that as a massive green light of, oh, they actually kind of know who you are. They have, yeah. they are making an assessment that with this branded search term, they are confident to provide this direct information about you, which could bite them in the butt, right? Like if they get that wrong yeah. multiple times, no one's going to trust them and their entire system, you can ask how well they do this, but it is based upon user trust eventually. If yes. they were getting the results wrong 80% of the time, people would go to Bing. Like eventually yeah. users would do that. And I don't know how invested Google are in doing that, but they are a little bit. Um, Definitely. We use Google because we trust it. And a lot of people complain about it, but they still use it. Therefore, they still yeah. trust it. Um, and it's easy to complain about and suggest that a specific answer wasn't correct or the specific results weren't ideal. But yeah, confidence in understanding allows it to show the information um, in the form of a knowledge panel, which is actually brilliant. But let's come back to traffic drops. Yeah, sure. Can you give me a couple of examples of traffic drops with the reason and the recovery. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first traffic drops that we see are going to be technical related. Um, oh, they're the ones that um, are usually quite easy to fix. This is going to be a case <laughs> of like, you know, the broadest example is someone block crawlers in the robots.txt. That doesn't really happen anymore. Um, mm. But we are going to see things where people have been under-optimized. They've made changes to the site. Broken backlinks might come into play. A botched migration. All this kind of stuff is the first thing we look at when we're doing a traffic drop analysis is, right. are you technically set up correctly? Because otherwise, there's no point in doing this. Um, we mm. want to make sure we have a clean slate there. Realistically, most of the clients I work with have that covered. There might be little wins to get, but it's mm. not the reason they lost their traffic, mostly because Google's crawling these sites very frequently. These technical issues would have reared their heads before a core update. All right. And that's kind of my take with that. Um, yeah. So with that, recovery is kind of basic, is find the problems and fix them in a prioritized method, wait for Google to recall the site, hopefully the rankings come back. Um, the more difficult ones are things like drops of core updates. Um, there's usually three categories we see them fall into. The first right. are going to be broad site quality reassessments. When Google's taken the entire site, they've recrawled it, they've run it through the new machine learning that they've got, uh, which is usually what's getting rolled out with a core update. And they basically assessed, this is not as high quality as competitors. And we mm -hmm. know that Google takes into account every index page for its assessment of quality. Yeah. Um, recovery for that is going to be largely going through the whole site and finding as many instances that we think from our experience, Google thinks is a, a signal of high quality. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly we're assessing that based upon how a user would look at the page or the queries that you dropped for. Um, so it's very unique to every site, but that's kind of the approach we do. And then we, you know, come up with an entire list of things to change in the right order. Uh, that might come down to things like adjusting content, adding citations, de-indexing a lot of low quality content. That's something we see a lot for like large publishing sites. Because mm -hmm. Google is taking a, into account the entire site for you know content quality. If and it, you have it been publishing like lots of small things. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like the small things that waste its time. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then eventually, I mean, there's a theory that if Google stops, keeps getting its time wasted with these low quality content from you know, 2014, 2013, no one's ever going to search for and read. Um, eventually, they stop putting the same resources into trying to understand the rest of the site. They're crawling and indexing, right. but they're not looking, you know, how many entities are on this page that relate to the topic it claims it's at. They might dial that down, and therefore, they have less right. signals to feed into their ranking. Um, okay. The other two ways that we see traffic drops is going to be a search for intent shift. So that's more with Google's end of understanding the query. Right. We see a lot of these SERPs, which are mixed intent. You might have, you know, two commercial pages, two informational pages, and then like, you know, six comparative pages that are like product review pages. And they all serve different intents. One is someone mm. that's ready to buy, one someone's considering buying, and one is someone that wants to know about the product. Um, right. This is really common within like SaaS products. Someone might type in screen recorder. Someone's looking for what's the best screen recorder. Someone wants to know what a screen recorder is. And then someone's actually looking for a screen recorder. Mm. Um, with core updates, Google often shifts that balance and what they think the okay. user actually wants when they're searching for that. So if you were ranking number eight, but in realistic terms, you are the SaaS product and they were two positions in that top 10 for a SaaS product and you just drop compared to number 12, who's the other SaaS product, you're out. And you're really actually only right. competing with two other people in that SERP. You're not competing with the informational pages. You're yeah, not competing that's, with the other ones. That's an incredibly interesting point. And it's something I try to explain to clients when I rarely do traditional SEO, yeah. is you're not competing for one of 10 spots. You're competing for one of two or one of three yeah. because the intent that Google's trying to hedge its bets to cover all of the intents, you're only in the commercial intent. Yeah. Uh, if you want to rank, you can rank with the information. Yeah. In your experience, to what extent can you rank the same site for both informational and mm. um, uh, it transactional? Depends how competitive it is. Um, Ooh, in it theory, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. In theory, you can have an informational page on your site, you can have a comparative page on your site, you can have the product page on your site and you could get all three in the top 10. I have seen it done like twice and it's right. always been competitors. And I'm like, I actually don't think Google got that right. I don't think the person selling the product is necessarily the best person to be recommending the product. And um, mm. it happens and Google gets it wrong sometimes. I usually see those situations as Google got it wrong because you don't want to see a SERP that has got everything owned by one person. The area that gets interesting in is when you see these large publication companies who own multiple sites, who are all interlinking mm -hmm. to each other, essentially a very sophisticated PDN, but with legitimate sites, right. and they will end up owning the SERP for all their different brands, and they're using different tactics. So they'll have like, one is going after the commercial intent, and they make sure to have no informational content that might mm -hmm. compete with their other sites. Um, that gets really interesting. That can be really hard to, to tackle because they have the brand authority, especially if they're known within the knowledge graph with that hierarchy of like corporate company owns them. Right. And then these are all the different sub organizations. If they're able to make Google understand this is the sub organization that does information about this stuff, right. it can be really challenging to tackle that without building that out yourself. Right, and how do you handle this change in Google's understanding of intent or the balance of the hedging of the bets, we could say? Yeah, I mean, the first stage is to understand what happens. So we do a delta analysis for every traffic drop. We take either 
a month before and a month after of the data or two weeks before and the two weeks after if there's a lot of you know fluctuations going on mm-hmm. um, and we do we just get it all into a spreadsheet we use analytics edge with the google search console api for this and just spend hours manually filtering to try and figure out exactly what queries dropped, exactly what pages dropped, and whether or not that was because of a a shift in the SERP. So we were looking directly at the SERPs and saying, this was it before, this is it after, what changed? Um, And that way we can kind of create a prioritized list of these are the pages that had the most traffic that shifted because of intent. Is it worth going after, you know, there's now two spots instead of three, is it worth going after that? Is it realistic? Um, and sometimes it's tiny things. You look at a comparative page and you're like, oh, they included this keyword in their top H tag. And that's the only difference really between our two pages. Let's mm-hmm. try throwing that in. And then you end up competing again because all the other signals you had were actually good enough to have you there previously. Um, sometimes it's not that easy, but sometimes there are these little easy wins. Right. And that comes back to what Gary Irish was saying about the the different features, factors, signals, whatever you want to call them, is that it's all multiplied in terms of the way they calculate it. So if you have one that's significantly below the others, underneath one is the rule, it will absolutely plummet you. And if you can push that back up, you're away. And I talked about the idea of a a four-legged table with one leg that's much shorter that's kind of falling over. Um, and sometimes it is that simple, but a lot of the times it isn't. Or is no. it that people tend to overcomplicate things? Um, people do tend to overcomplicate things. I probably sound like I'm doing that talking about this. Um, but <laughs> it's it can be as simple as you shouldn't have been ranking for this in the first place, which is Ooh, the biggest that's issue we sell. come across, especially when it's the third thing I was going to say for Travel Drops, which is relevancy. If you're right. ranking content that was not actually relevant, it was not what users wanted. You were not up to date. You were not providing high quality information and you slipped through the cracks. Sometimes that can be brand authority, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes you mm-hmm. have, you know, Google gets a little bit more sophisticated understanding, okay, you might be super well known in this space and this subspace, but actually this is about this and mm-hmm. you have no business writing about that. Um, We see that again with large publisher sites who might write an article about the best credit card to buy. And it's like, that's great. You're actually a news organization. So why are you writing about this? You don't have people who are creating good content on this. And when those rankings disappear, you have to then have the difficult conversation of, is it realistic that this is coming back? And if not, let's go find you another strategy to get you traffic from elsewhere. Um, That happens a lot. A hugely, oh, it happens a lot. Sorry, number one, it happens a lot. Number two, how on earth do you explain that to the client and get them to understand that they shouldn't have been there in the first place and they were (laughs) fighting an uphill struggle, they just didn't know it? You come armed with an alternative strategy for them to get get traffic. That's the best way to come at it. I mean, there's, there's pretty easy approaches for a lot of SEO for a lot of areas. It just takes a lot of grunt work. I think that's the biggest Mm. misconception in this industry of like, you need to have a completely novel strategy. No, you need a strategy that is generally like this and you tailor it down for this particular niche, this particular set of keywords, this particular user intent, relevancy, X, Y, and Z. And then you just enact it. And then you're going page by page, figuring this out. And if you do that, you will see results in the aggregate. Like over the course of hundreds, thousands of pages, bits of content, you do this enough, enough of them will raise up, rise up. 
And as that happens, as more pages get recognized as being high quality, the whole site gets recognized as being more high quality in the long run. Sure. And then you start being able to rank stuff easily again. And but that- it's just a process. It's a long process. And people don't want that. They want a silver bullet. Yeah. I, I was ranking here and now I'm here. How do I get back here in two months? And it's like, I mean, you'll know this yeah. locality. People want a branded cert fix and it can take yeah. 10 to 12 months, right? No, exactly, 100%. That's very difficult to explain to somebody that you have to change Google's point of view and its assessment of you and your relationship with your audience in order for it to change and represent your brand the way you actually want it if it's not representing it correctly today. 10, 12 months, absolutely. And that's long term. And most people are saying, I need the fast, quick fix. And the fast, quick fix doesn't exist. And what you're saying here is that from a traffic drop perspective, you're going to be looking at each page, each SERP, prioritizing the pages, prioritizing the search queries, and doing yeah. them one by one by one by one. How do you sell yeah. that to the client? Um, track record is maybe where I would go with it. Um, I do have your case studies to show us having done that. Um, it doesn't sell a lot of the time. A lot of the mm. time, we will I'll have clients reach out two to three years after I quoted them when I was working with Marie and saying, okay, so we're ready to do what you suggested three years ago because we've worked with all these other agencies, we've tried to do this. And I think people need to have a bit of hubris about what qualifies as an SEO result versus luck. We see a lot of the times, you know, people are re-advertising this massive recovery from a a core update drop where you went down with one and then, you know, a couple of weeks went by, another update rolled out and they shoot back up again. You haven't done anything in that period of time. Right. You haven't provided enough signals that Google's going to figure out any change in that amount of time. You just probably got screwed. Sorry for the bad language, but in the first, the first iteration, and then you got up, and you're probably going to go down with the next one because you're in that weird gray area where Google doesn't seem to know where to put you. Right. And you know you gotta work with people if you're being smart for your business who can say, "Look, it's going to take time." but we're going for long-term growth here and we're going for slow and steady wins the, wins the race. Um, and at this point for me, when people don't want to do that, I definitely don't want to work with them. Um, right. Yeah. No, so we've got the tortoise and the hare. Everyone wants to be the hare, yeah. but you're saying let's be the tortoise, but a slightly faster tortoise than the <laughs> normal tortoise in the, in the tail. Yeah. And the, the question of, of that as well is saying when you get a traffic drop after a core update, to what extent should you just sit tight and wait? Because there's going to be, yeah. after two weeks, some kind of rollback or some kind of change. Generally, we don't see rollbacks, in my experience, okay. at least. I've seen I've seen cases where site has dropped, and then <laughs> the, the times I've seen it roll back, you can usually look at the data and actually see that one of your competitors who also you know, had issues, they had changes, they panicked. And they started changing a bunch of stuff, and then they disappeared. <laughs> they made right. mistakes. Oh. Someone else made mistakes, and that's why your traffic came back. Um, oh, that's interesting. Often, yeah. Sorry, and, and, and that, that is that yeah. is the thing: is don't panic. So, how yeah. do you convince your clients not to panic? Because that's what they all do. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with this a lot. Um, we often have people come to us after the drop, a month or two after, and they have panicked in the interim. And oh, they've right. muddied the data by making lots of changes. Um, 
Sometimes it's really fun if they decided to make a large website change and an update rolled out at the same time and they were like, it'll be fine. <laughs> we're never, we never get by updates or they weren't tracking it. They were no, they had no clue about updates. Um, convincing existing clients when they see a drop is normally about providing them with clear data very quickly. So saying, these are the keywords that dropped. This is what happened. Um, we don't know yet, but here's some other things to work on. I do that di like diversion tactic quite a lot. I hope no, no one's watching this, <laughs> but- No, nobody watches um, this show. I don't know if my clients watch it or not, um, but you will say like, okay, we're gonna set, we're gonna spend the next two weeks assessing this. In the meantime, here's something for you to work on, which in general is kind of what you should be doing anyway. You wanna be yeah. focusing on your long-term strategy. Nothing short term is gonna change in that regard. We're always working on page and content quality. We're always working on these things of our clients. So the strategy is usually gonna be the same. It's just might this part of the site we're focusing on might change. If you dropped oh. your blog and we were working on your product pages, cool, we might leave the product pages for a little bit and really focus on that blog. The strategy doesn't hugely change. But uh, you, you mentioned diversion tactics, but it actually isn't. It's saying, let's take a seat, calm down, think clearly about what it is we're trying to do. And what I hear here is that you're simply reassessing what you're currently doing and saying, well, for two weeks, we're going to analyze this. We're going to wait wait for the, and what I'm hearing here is, wait for the competitor to panic, work on something constructive that's long-term, and in two weeks, we're going to have a new approach that will help us to move yeah. forwards. And hopefully, hopefully the competitors will panic. Hopefully, and again, like rollbacks, I just don't call them rollbacks. I think adjustments happen within well, the larger ecosystem. Something that might've hit you pretty hard with the initial rollout of an update. Google is still gathering data for mm -hmm. their other systems. There are things that it does in real time. There are things that it does not in real time that they do gather everything and then roll it out with a core update. Right. So you can let the dust settle. It might be that the system that rolled out with the core update was meant to have another thing running side by side and it did for a bunch of other sites it didn't for you because they just didn't get to you yet and that happens that's the nature of crawlers right. that's the nature of a, a search algorithm is not everyone gets treated the same all the time it's dynamic it is moving it's evolving um the signals are getting picked up over a long period of time google's not going hey you put this on your page we instantly give you a boost because right. they want to spend a long enough time saying is this sticking around? Is it something we can trust? Is it worth our resources assessing it? And obviously this is all done programmatically, but that's the intent behind the systems they're building is security, long-term confidence. And That's a super brilliant point to end on. It's long-term <laughs> trust, confidence, but also not ev no sites or not every site is being treated the same way at the same time. And you can't compare directly at any one moment all of these different yeah. sites because yeah. the nature of crawling the web is that it takes time. Now you have the one last question. How might branded search help mitigate a traffic drop? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of mitigation, we're talking about uh, long-term confidence. Branded mm -hmm. search comes into, into play a lot there. Um, you know you have long-term confidence from Google in your brand if they're giving you a branded uh, knowledge panel to begin with. And um, if they're not throwing off a bunch of really negative stuff about you, uh, you know, bad reviews or whatever. So if you can work on that, there's going to be a, you know, a knock-on effect to the quality signals they're getting about you anyway. Um, 
it can also help tide you over in the meantime. So mm. instead of mitigating, if you still you have a smaller stream on trickle of leads coming through, but when they are actually about to convert, they see your branded SERP and they're like, okay, I have so much confidence in these guys. They're clearly a legitimate business and they're more likely to convert. That can help tide you over as well. But generally, I just think the things that you do to help with branded search helps with your site overall. There's so much crossover. We talked about this a few times in the past, Jason, like yeah. the stuff that you do to get a knowledge panel is all the stuff you should be doing to get confidence in your brand anyway. And that helps in the long term with how Google treats your website and your content. So do both. The knowledge panel is the <laughs> cherry on top of the Sunday of all the stuff you're doing. And in my opinion, it is a small tweak to take all that site quality work and get the knowledge panel at the end of the day. So Brilliant. Work on both. Build Google's confidence, understanding, and trust. Thank you so much, Callum. Yeah. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I really loved it because it's something I never talk about because I don't really do that kind of SEO anymore. So you, you never see traffic drops, right? <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> no Thank you so does. much. <laughs> Nobody does. Of course, yeah. we don't admit it. <laughs> Next week, we've got Alex Sanfilippo, who's an amazing independent podcast leader guru guy. He's absolutely wonderful, super smart, and he's going to talk about the future of podcasting. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, you will know that he's going to help me to create the future of a branded search and beyond with Jason Barnard. Could you pass the baton, Callum? Okay. Which direction does it go in this way? Passing the baton to Alex. <laughs> entrepreneur, software, and founder, and podcast host. Have a Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We'll see you next week with Alex. Thank you, Callum. That was absolutely brilliant. Have a lovely afternoon. You're in Scotland. I'm in France. End of afternoon. Time for dinner. <laughs> Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, SERP.